first couple of years were tough. We were both still caddying at the time. And really the biggest challenge we faced from day one was finding the right manufacturer. Everyone wanted to do it their way, the way they, they always made jerky. And we said, well, we've got a little different process. We've got a few different things that we do. And we finally found a great partner that we have in Michigan. They're still great brand partners to us that make the product for us. It was a slow growth the first couple of years. And like anything, it's pushing a, a, like a snowball downhill. It just really builds quick. And it's amazing in the, in the food space. Everyone's got to eat. So when someone likes your product and they get behind it, they tell their friends, their friends buy it and they continue to buy it. And it really, the momentum picks up. So the last two to three years, it's just been unbelievable. But luckily those early days, we were able to, like you said, figure everything out, put the foundation in place, have the, the parameters set. And really it's been fun the last two, three years to watch it grow as fast as it has and watch everything happen. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thank you for joining us. Remember to subscribe on either iTunes or the RSS feed on our show page at www.mod.golf so that you'll never miss the latest engaging story with my amazing guests. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Dennis Rydell, who is the co-founder of Chef's Cut Real Jerky. Now, some of our listeners might be asking themselves, what does jerky have to do with golf and the future of the game? Well, to be honest, I asked myself that same question just before I was introduced to Dennis and his co-founding partner, Blair Swiler, at the PGA Merchandise Show. After hearing their startup story that revolves around their love for golf and after tasting their products, I quickly came to the conclusion that they'd be a great fit for the Mod Golf Podcast. Dennis, thanks so much for joining me today and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. So to get us started here... Please tell us a bit about your background and share with us the Chef's Cut Real Jerky origin story. A little bit about myself. I've been in the golf business my entire life. I grew up in Michigan, grew up playing golf, played collegiately at Michigan State and finished up school and decided to pursue golf a little and moved down to Florida. Came down here, played some of the mini tours. I was actually caddying part-time as well at a golf course called Calusa Pines in Naples, Florida. That's where I was fortunate enough to meet my uh, business partner, Blair, who had also moved down to Florida recently and getting out of the restaurant industry started caddying with me and we became quick friends on the golf course. He started bringing out this amazing jerky to the course. I'm playing in some mini tour events, loved a quick high protein snack. It would always bug him to make me some, bring it to the course. And it was just a great snack to have at the turn or during the round. That's kind of where it all, all started and, and it really blossomed from there. Both of us caddying at the time, kind of getting done playing the mini tours, doing all that good stuff. And reality had to set in and had to figure out what the next step was. So in between caddying uh, at Calusa Pines in the winter, I started going up to Bayonne Golf Club in the summer caddying there. And that's where um, I had the idea to, we can take this product and maybe start making it up here. They had an extra kitchen. It was a brand new club and, and start selling it to the members. So Met with the director of golf, met with the GM of the club, brought him some of Blair's amazing jerky. And unbeknownst to Blair, I didn't even tell him I was doing this. Got us an opportunity to make the product in their kitchen, start selling it in their halfway house. And called Blair one day and said, look, buddy, I got the opportunity. You know, we can do it up here and, and give it a shot in New York. And it quickly became the uh, most popular uh, snack at the halfway house and kind of proved the concept for us. And lo and behold, we figured out we had something here. So our origins were always golf-rooted and, and, and simply looking for better options and better snacks to eat on the golf course. And we thought there was a real niche there for golfers in this space. So we've been uh, very fortunate and able to grow the brand pretty well throughout the golf space and nationally throughout the country. Good stuff. So you were being a sneaky entrepreneur then, unbeknownst to Blair. He didn't even know you were doing this. So, uh, <laughs> so once you proved this thing out, he then had no choice to step up and actually get involved as your partner then. He, he's the one that really has the, the secret recipe, which I want to get into a little bit without giving away trade secrets, of course. But, but it sounds like to me that you're the one that took the entrepreneurial reins to validate this before telling Blair that he had absolutely no choice but to join you as a business partner. 
listen, the product is 100% players. I have nothing to do with that. That's that's all him. But I felt like I was the one that pushed him and was able to get him over the hump to really, let's do this. We can turn this into something. Because not only in golf courses were we looking for better snacks, but you know, every time I went into the gas station, I always loved and ate jerky my whole life, but didn't really particularly like it, but just kind of ate it because it was there. And, and his was so much better that I really saw an opportunity to spread our wings and get this product out and around the country. Right, right. It's interesting, the progression of the Mod Golf podcast, the year that we've been on, to tell these stories of entrepreneurs like yourself that are creating the future of golf. And these trends and patterns have revealed themselves, Dennis, of these stories of music and entertainment and immersive social experiences and community building that are these elements that are helping connect golf to a new audience of fans and recreational players. But food and hospitality is, is a key component to this also both during tournaments that we're seeing and at places like Topgolf, but also for recreational players, for what you're actually producing and what you've validated. So Dennis, so you can explain a bit to our listeners here, because of course, through a podcast, you cannot taste your delicious jerky. But can you explain to us the kind of that secret that separates Chef's Cut Real Jerky from your super salty, toughest shoe leather competitors that are out there? Yeah, well, there's a couple things. First and foremost, we start with a great quality whole piece of muscle meat. We're using top round, whole pieces, USDA choice grader higher. So there's no mystery in the meat we're using. Secondly, that's always been the problem with, with a lot of jerky is they're really salty. There's some attributes to it that aren't as great for you. So Blair being the chef that he is and being the creative side that he is, actually went out and created his own soy sauce that we use in our marinade. Every jerky has a soy sauce base. That's what's soaked in to give it its flavor and help cure the meat. So we developed our own, or I should say Blair developed his own for our product. You look at our nutritionals, much lower in sodium. It's gluten-free. All of the attributes to our product are healthier, better for you, better tasting. We put it right there on the label. You can see everything that's in our product. You can understand the ingredients on the label. I challenge someone to look at our product versus what else is on the shelf, and and you'll, I think, understand immediately. And using the great piece of meat also gives our product a much tenderer, real steak flavor to the product. And I've tried it many times now, and I I will attest. I'm I'm a fan. It is delicious. And the fact, as you mentioned, it is nitrate and nitrite and preservative free. So, which is interesting, the trends, of course, over the last couple of decades and have really ramped up in the last couple of years here, this trend towards health conscious food decisions for active lifestyles. And it sounds like you guys are, whether it's coincidence on the timing or this is actually part of the way you've launched this and designed this, but you guys are definitely positioned in a very nice way for not only the golf market, but it seems to me as you scale this up for an active lifestyle market. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, absolutely. It is the way we positioned it when we started. I never would have guessed this trend would get as big as it has throughout the U.S., Canada, really, really throughout the world. People are going away from sugar and to protein. Protein is king right now. That's what people want. And all these dietitians and studies show that protein is great. It was a little bit by chance and a little bit by luck, but I think it was also the way we were both trending and and what we were doing. So we kind of fit right into the niche and it's been great to uh, ride the coattails of the growth and the, the movement that's really happening. And What we really see is we're on the forefront of this. It's only going to continue to get bigger and and grow. I agree with that. Just to take a step back for a second, so we understand it's the timeline in your startup journey. When did you first meet Blair and when did you first go behind his back to your golf course to actually get this jerky in the hands of some of the players to start testing? Yeah, well, Blair Blair and I met at Calusa Pines, like I said, I think it was 2004, 2005, somewhere in that time frame. He had just moved down. I had just moved down a year or two or a year or two prior. That's where we met Caddy, and that's when he started bringing out the jerky. And um, immediately I realized, wait a minute, there's something we can do with this. There's something there. And I think it took me a good two to three years to finally uh, get the recipe out of him. So by that time, it was 07, 08. I think 08 was my first year going up to Bayonne Golf Club. And then 
09 was when I introduced it to the team at Bayonne. I had known the recipe. I knew how to do it and make it. So I did. I started making some for them and, you know, had the idea of they got this extra kitchen. Let's use it. We can make it. And they were gracious enough. I, you know, I can't thank Bayonne enough for giving us the opportunity and helping us out to give us this opportunity to really prove the concept. And that's really what it was. And that's kind of how it all fell into place. And it was great. I called Blair one day. I think he was walking down the beach with his wife and said, hey, man, you're coming up to Bayonne. We got the opportunity to do this. And he thought I was joking. And I said, no. And he jumped on a flight a week later, to his credit, stayed with me. And we started making it happen. And that was September of 09 that we officially launched the brand and the business. And things started taking off from thereafter. I love that story. It's my understanding with my conversation with Blair at the PGA show that he is quite a renowned chef. So he's not just some guy that's worked in a kitchen. So he is actually a critically acclaimed chef. And that was my understanding, just burnt out by the restaurant and hospitality industry. And he really needed to get away from it. And that's where the opportunity really presented itself for you guys to move forward with Chef's Cut Real Jerky. Yeah, exactly. He'd kind of been all over the country. He'd worked a bit at some high-end restaurants and resorts out in Arizona. And then in Minneapolis, he was the head chef at the Target Center for the the arena there. And, you know, the opportunity came for his wife to take a job down here in, in Naples. And he was at a point where he was burnt out and had some health issues and thought, heck, it's time to get out of this business. Came down here and by chance, we met on the golf course uh, at Calusa Pines. And he had been making this jerky for years for his friends and family. And I guess I was the first one to push him over the edge. So he'd show me how to make it. <laughs> well, when I had the chance to meet you at the PGA show, I could say you two are just full on committed to this. The passion was just radiating outside of your booth. The show was four days. I'm sure it was 40 days long. You guys would have been more than happy to stay there to meet people and and, and to share your product with them because your energy level was just off the charts. It's interesting. (laughs) I'm looking at this in in the sense of in the past, at the turn after nine holes on a golf course, and I've been guilty of this on several occasions, the go-to culinary choice always was a hot dog followed by a chocolate bar and washing all that down with a couple of beers. And and thankfully, the nutritional trends on the golf course are moving toward a more performance-based, nutritionally beneficial option. And yes, golfers want to have fun on the golf course, but I'm sure you're finding, Dennis, that more and more they're demanding the food options that have to keep them mentally sharp and physically energized. So considering this, how does Chef's Cut Real Jerky go about getting your products on the golf courses and into the bags of golfers? And also, how do you keep that freshness and preserve that? How tricky was that to actually keep that freshness quality into something that you can ship across the country? Yeah, well, to touch on a few of those points, the freshness is, it's simply a packaging technique, to be honest with you. The bag is flushed out with the gas that creates a shelf-stable environment for the product to stay in. So it really is, our product comes off the line. It takes about an eight-hour process from start to finish. And at the end, you know, it's packed within an hour or two. So it's it's a fresh, great product that, you know, every time you open that bag that you're always going to have. In that respect, it is amazing that we're able to maintain that quality and be able to ship it across the country, like you said, is great. We've got a, a small, dedicated sales team, and uh, we've got one guy in particular that I assist, but he he really just calls on the golf accounts. And we presented them this healthy alternative idea that you'd be amazed. I think in more recent years, people are coming to grips with it. But when we first presented it, people looked at us and said, wow, interesting idea. I never really thought about that. It's always been, the like you said, the, the hot dog, the Snickers bar, and the Lance crackers at the turn. You're starting to see when you go into these halfway houses now, products like ours, you're starting to see the first and 10th tea bars, better for you, healthy snacks. The other trend that's really happening is people want to see easy on the go snacks. It's not the hot dog that's in a bun that you got to put ketchup and mustard on and make a mess. And by the time you're halfway down the 10th fairway, it's uh, on your lap and you got some mustard stains. So it's interesting. It's really been a trend for portable, healthy protein on the go that's just blowing up around the country. And it's amazing. Every year we go to the golf show and 
people who were either skeptical or never heard of us that are all of a sudden, we got to have this at our course. And we're really, really seeing unbelievable growth year after year in the golf space. Just the trends catching on. And I think the product speaks for itself. So we've been very fortunate in also getting our product out into the hands of a lot of guys on the PGA Tour. There's several events that we work with. There's several courses that host PGA Tour events that have our product that stock the locker rooms and provide it for the players. And every once in a while, you'll catch a guy on TV eating our product. So it's fun. Now, you mentioned some of the the PGA players that are enjoying your products. I did see on your website, you do have some very well-known brand ambassadors, both in the sport and golf and entertainment spaces. Can you tell me a couple of stories from your connectivity with them? Yeah, sure. We've been fortunate. We've teamed up with a lot of great athletes and celebrities. The one thing that we really like to see there, and we've been very fortunate, is we like to see an organic connection. So we've been able to see these players through their agents, through whoever, and and we really wait for the ones that come back to us and say, hey, so-and-so really loves this brand. And a perfect example is Vaughn Miller, who's probably our best endorsement deal to date. We seated the Denver Broncos locker room with our product. His agent reached out to us and said, Vaughn loves this product. He'd love to do something if you could. And this was about a month before the Super Bowl and he won the MVP award. So we signed a deal with him a month before. And needless to say, it was by far the best deal we've done. And we got very lucky there, but he's still on, on board with us. He's a great brand ambassador. We'll take him to meetings with major grocery chains or, or, or convenience store chains throughout the country. He'll talk about our product all day and how much he loves it. And in fact, he's, he's building a, a chicken farm in Texas. He's always wanted to be a chicken farmer. And he wants to supply us the chicken. So it's been amazing the connection we've had. We've done stuff with Olivia Munn. She's been a great supporter of the brand, loves our product. We work with the Green Bay Packers and we have it in their locker room. And when she was dating Aaron Rodgers, got a hold of our product. And next thing you know, she's using it for a weight loss diet that she was on. And, and we found out about it. And we said, well, we got to do something with her. So been very lucky. We've done done deals with other guys from David Ortiz to a couple PGA Tour guys that we still work with, uh, Kyle Reifers. He's been on board for the last three years, and we just love Kyle. He's another guy that snapping pictures when he's in the grocery store, sending it to us, letting us know how we're doing, and just really behind the brand. And then uh, Ryan Brem, who was on the PGA last year and now is playing web this year, but long driver of the ball, really physically fit guy that loves our product. It just it fits into his daily regimen, and just guys that, that love our product but also use it and believe in it. That's what we believe in when we do these deals, and we've been fortunate to have a, a lot of interest and a lot of good people behind us and our brand. I love your entrepreneurial savvy and your hustle there by planting your fabulous product in the right places, in lo- in locker rooms where like-minded people will stumble upon it. And it sounds like that's worked out very nicely for you. So speaking about entrepreneurial savvy, one thing I really love about what you're doing here, Dennis, is you guys are constantly innovating and expanding your product offerings. It isn't just a one and done, one trick pony that you had out of the gate there with Blair a couple of years ago. I know now you've got 11 flavors of your snack packs, a couple of flavors of your meat bars, five flavors of your jerky sticks, and a couple of flavors of your mini sticks. So can you tell us a bit about the progression there and how you go about as entrepreneurs to figure out what works and what doesn't and what to amplify and what to reduce? Tell us your, your strategy on that as entrepreneurs. Yeah, innovations, um, it's, it's been really a wild ride the last two to three years. We started with the original recipe, and then we did the spicy chipotle. And then we started moving into other proteins naturally, um, turkey, then chicken. We've expanded since into pork. We're always looking for hot flavor profiles. We have a new Korean barbecue chicken we're launching here in about three, four months. Korean barbecue is just on fire right now. And we're always looking for the newest trend, what's working with consumers. Yeah, yeah. And we're also looking for new innovative ideas. We launched the meat bars. We don't like to call it a meat bar. We call it a protein bar because it's a protein bar with, with meat as an alternative to all these other high sugar, high protein bars. And it's fantastic. It's kind of like eating meatloaf, believe it or not. Sticks have done great. There's tremendous growth there we, that we see. 
people are tired of the traditional old Slim Jim that's a, a greasy mess when you open it. You don't know what you're eating. So we looked at that and said, wait a minute, we can put real ingredients here the same way we've done with our jerky. Everything's gluten-free, maintain the, the same standards that we have throughout the product line and let's do a better version of, of that product. And we have, and it's been unbelievable, the growth we've seen there. And we still have a runway ahead of us there that we see. And um, our latest innovation we had at the PGA show was also the snack cup. So we found a way to dehydrate cheese and dehydrated meat. What goes better than meat and cheese? So we've combined the two. So now we have a, a protein pack, one with steak and one with turkey and a dehydrated cheese. It's again, quick, easy on the go, but also at the same time, good for you. So innovation is fun, but boy, there's always, there's always room and we're always looking for the next big thing and we will continue to grow it and expand upon it. And I think you kind of have to, and you have to stay ahead of, ahead or, or with consumer trends to keep up with what everyone else is doing. All right. Now, I'm going to have to stop this interview for 10 minutes because now you've made me really, really hungry. And <laughs> the whole Korean barbecue thing, you've, okay, now I'm just salivating. So I'm going to have to hang tough for another 15 or 20 minutes or so. So I'll, uh, I'll do my best here. So I, I will not call them meat bars anymore. I know that has kind of the same connotation perhaps as a meat smoothie that some people may think it's a little bit weird to call it that. But okay, we'll call them protein bars. And I will say, you, you were generous enough, Dennis, to load me up with a, an armful of samples to take home with me from the PGA show, of which I ate next to none of them because my 13-year-old son, who is a high-performance athlete, he found them. And once he did, it was, it was game over for the rest of us here. So, And I will tell you truthfully here, Dennis, he would eat his body weight in your homestyle beef bars on a daily basis if he had the opportunity. So you've got your biggest fan here and my 13-year-old son. Oh, that's awesome to hear. <laughs> well, we'll have to, we'll send you some more. And actually, we're, we're going into Canada, so you'll see us in Loblaws very soon with those meat bars. Oh, that's great. So I was going to ask you about that because even though we're based up here in Canada in Vancouver with a podcast, only about 20% of our audience is Canadian. More than 70% is American. So it's connected to your retail partners that you have. And perhaps you can explain that a little bit. I know you have Costco and Safeway and a few others, but if our listeners are hearing about your products for the first time, perhaps you can tell us also about the ability to order online and also through your retail partners here, Dennis. Yeah, we've been fortunate uh, over the past two to three years, we've really expanded our traditional retail customer base. So we're in about 30,000 plus stores throughout the U.S. now. We are nationwide with Kroger. Every Kroger banner carries our product. They'll have six to seven products in every store along with our sticks. So Kroger is a great way to find us. Safeway, Costco, we're an in and out program there, but uh, we will be nationwide on their MVM program coming up in July. So we'll have a nice sale there at Costco going on. And you'll also find us uh, nationally with 7-Eleven. Most regions of Circle K, Speedway gas stations carry us nationwide. Lots of other local smaller chains as well do carry our product. Like I said, in Canada, we're just getting ready to launch the meat bars as well, or I'm sorry, the protein bars, as well as the jerky into Loblaws. So you'll start to see that really any day now. You'll start to see us nationwide there. And there's always Amazon, right? We always, everyone loves Amazon. So we're Amazon Prime, two-day shipping. You can have it any and all flavors, whatever you like on your doorstep in two days through Amazon as well. Awesome. Good stuff. So I have to ask you this. I work with a lot of startups, mostly in the tech sector, to help mentor them. It's one of these things that once that dream comes true and you scale up, then it's like, uh-oh, now we've scaled up. How do we maintain the quality that got us off the ground and established ourselves in the marketplace and defines who and what we are? How do you reconcile that yourself and Blair to make sure that the quality is maintained as you guys are now creating what is more than a small company? It's really a mid-sized company and growing. How do you do that? It's not easy. Um, luckily, we have a great team that helps us out. We've put standards in place that we refuse to deviate from. I think that's one thing that separates us. Blair's actually in uh, one of the plants today up in Idaho, and it's staying on top of your suppliers and staying on top of your co-packers and, and making sure they maintain your quality. And we have a great team that does that. 
our product comes out as good today as it did when we first made it in the basement at Bayonne Golf Club. And luckily, Blair's been able to perfect that process, and we've uh, been able to maintain that quality. It's not easy, but it's really just staying on top of them and not allowing them or, or us to cut any corners. And we continue to produce the same product we, we do today that we did seven, eight years ago when we started this thing. Right. It sounds to me that having seven and eight years invested in this already as entrepreneurs that have you've had the tenacity and you've stuck with this, that has been to your benefit as compared to, let's say, if you just started only a year ago and didn't have all those other elements figured out, you didn't have the foundation built yet to actually put the house on top of to scale this thing up, it would topple over. So it sounds like it's a virtue that it's taken a few years to get everything in place. And now you're hitting this thing hard and you're ready to do it. Is that accurate? Yeah, you know, the first couple of years were, were tough. We were both still caddying at the time. And really, the biggest challenge we faced from day one was finding the right manufacturer. Like you said, everyone wanted to do it their way, the way they, they always made jerky. And we said, well, we've got a little different process. We've got a few different things that we do. And we finally found a great partner that we have in Michigan. They're still great brand partners to us that make the product for us. It was a slow grow the first couple of years. And like anything, it's pushing a, a, like a snowball downhill. It just really builds quick. And it's amazing in the, in the food space. Everyone's got to eat. So when someone likes your product and they get behind it, they tell their friends, their friends buy it, and they continue to buy it. And it really, the momentum picks up. So the last two to three years, it's just been unbelievable. But luckily, those early days, we were able to, like you said, figure everything out, put the foundation in place, have the, the parameters set. And really, it's been fun the last two, three years to watch it grow as fast as it has and watch everything happen. I bet it has. So now looking into the future, whether it's the next seven or eight years, or even in 2018 and 2019, you already mentioned you've got a few other products that you're ready to put out there that are following the culinary trends that are emerging. Where do yourself and Blair see the company being, or what's your vision or your roadmap, let's say five years from now, or even 10 years from now? Well, that's a good question. We are a meat snack company right now. When we first started this and we put the brand name Chef's Cut on this, our vision was long-term we're not only going to be a meat snack company, we want to be a brand and a different products that you see throughout the grocery store. So I think in the meat snack space, we are innovating and we've done a great job or we're gaining a lot of presence. But I think going forward, the real opportunity that we're looking at as well is other opportunities throughout the grocery store. So things that pair well with our business. What I mean by that is whether it's a steak sauce, being that we're a steak jerky or a marinade or, or things of that nature that can be improved upon and can be done better. That's where we want to go. So we're looking at a lot of different alternatives right now, but we foresee this being a brand that is not only a beef jerky brand or, or a meat snack brand. We think that the, the name and the, and the idea behind it was always to be a chef-driven brand with great quality products. I'll just say that we're looking toward expanding in, in other places as well. So it sounds like you're going to stay in your jerky lane for the most part, but that lane has the opportunity to get wider and wider, it seems. Yeah, no doubt. We do. We think there's a lot of room for growth and we think there's other areas of the store that can use disruption the same way we've disrupted the jerky space. So we're looking at some other things. So the way you're scaling this thing up, Dennis, we could be looking at on the PGA Tour, the Chef's Cut Real Jerky Open as one of the uh, the tour stops. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be great. Good stuff. So, hey, before I let you go here, Dennis, for our listeners here that are now very intrigued with Chef's Cut Real Jerky, how can people find out about your product and where can they order your product online and where can they find you guys on social media? Our website's pretty simple. It's www.ccrj.com. That'll give you all of our uh, products, the brand story, the history of the brand, anything you need to know or any product you want to order, you can find it there. We also have a Facebook page, Chef's Cut Real Jerky, and you can find us on Twitter at Chef's Cut Jerky as well. Good stuff. And in the show notes for this episode, I will make sure that I include all of those links that you just mentioned there. So they'll be easy to find for all of our listeners here. 
I've got to say I am starving now. I think I have to go out and get some Korean barbecue since I don't actually have any of your snack packs here anymore because my son ate them all. So I think <laughs> I need to end it now so I can go grab a bite to eat. So, hey, Dennis, great talking to you again. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Oh, you're welcome, Colin. Thanks for uh, your time. Thanks for having us. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again with the PGA Show next year. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Bye for now. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Mod Golf Podcast with Dennis Rydell, co-founder of Chef's Cut Real Jerky. I'd like to thank Dennis again for sharing his entrepreneurial story on how two friends, while working as caddies, found the inspiration and courage to create a deliciously healthy snack alternative to power you through the back nine and beyond. So that's a wrap for season three of the Mod Golf Podcast. We're now going to take a couple weeks off to develop our 12 episodes season four, where we'll bring you more diverse, engaging stories from the golf industry's top influencers and innovators. I'll be traveling this week to Washington, D.C. to cover We Are Golf's 11th Annual National Golf Day event to reveal the stories that will create the narrative for our first Season 4 episode. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast, you can find more compelling conversations about the future of golf on our episodes page. You can also find all of our previous Mod Golf Podcast episodes on iTunes and Spotify. As we finish up Season 3, I want to thank you, our listeners, for supporting the show and providing us with constructive feedback. We are proud of the traction the Mod Golf Podcast has established over our first three seasons and are excited as our community of mod golfers continues to grow. Thanks for joining me, and I hope you listen in again soon. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Bye for now.